a little clarification before we begin in the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus' Beatitudes. It is never right to steal. However, a person who takes something that doesn't belong to them before they've reached the age of accountability will not be held accountable. However, their parents, grandparents, or guardians will. So as parents, we need to always, when we're asking our children anything, make sure we ask them something that's always reasonable and right. Some of us, growing up, we're, at, we're asked by our parents to do some things that were, were both unreasonable and wrong. And as children, we obeyed our parents. But before God, we'll not be held accountable for those things. Our parents will. And of course, none of us will be held accountable for any sin in our lives if we've come to Jesus by grace through faith for the salvation that He extends to us. His mercy and His grace will cover and wash away, cleanse, sanctify, and justify our every sin. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, a few verses down, the Apostle Paul, through the Holy Spirit, lists, he makes a list of several sins that are terrible. Idolatry, adultery, drunkenness, other things. Then he says to those Christians in Corinth, of such were some of you. But you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. So in Christ Jesus, any sin, any mistake in judgment that we as children have done or we as parents have done can be forever forgiven and washed away by the blood and sacrifice that Jesus gave on Calvary's cross. We are saved in Christ Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, the Bible says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast, not of ourselves. Of course we are created in Him for good works. God expects every Christian to follow His commands. In John 15, 14, and in John 14, 15, both of those passages tell us about our relationship with God and how it's measured. He said, if you love me, you will do what? Keep my word. Keep my instructions. Keep my commandments. You are my friends if you do whatsoever things I command you. That's how we show our gratitude to God. That's how we show our, that's our response to God for all that He's done for us. After we become a Christian, our sins are all washed away by grace through faith and following 
God's prescription in the waters of baptism. When we rise up out of the waters of baptism, we walk in newness of life. He said, old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Every one of us, we have a past. Up until we're born again of the water and spirit, John chapter 3. When we come up out of the waters of baptism, our past is forever forgiven, washed away, and gone. Oh, what a joy it is to know as a Christian, I can forever now look forward. I don't have to ever regret again what I've done, the choices I've made, what's happened to me, who did what to me, who said what about me. I can forever let that go in Christ Jesus. And then in my memory, when it comes back to me, I can recall the experience I had in giving myself to Jesus. So whatever sin we might have committed or the world might have committed can all be forgiven and washed away in Christ Jesus. That's what we need to be preaching. It's what we need to be living every day to our family and friends saying, you know, you don't have to live this way. You can have a new life. You can have a, a do-over in Christ Jesus. As a matter of fact, we can have that every day of our lives. Every morning when we get up, it's a new day. A new day with new opportunities, new challenges. Everything is new every morning. I mean, we live that day and we put that day to rest and we wake up every morning with a brand new day. And that's how we should live our lives as Christians. Putting the past behind us. Reaching on, Paul said, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. As Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. One translation says, Blessed are those who cry, for they shall laugh. And then last time we looked at, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And today I want to look at blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what is right. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be what? If you hunger and thirst something, you'll be filled. Blessed are you who are empty, for you shall be filled. Those of us who our Christians never really can get enough of God's teaching, God's blessing, God's words. Just even talk about God. You and I as Christians and any Christian should have in within us and create within us a hunger and a thirst for what is good and what is right in our lives. Do you have that? And so let's look at definitions. Blessed are those. That means you're fortunate if you hunger and thirst for righteousness. You're well off if you hunger and thirst for righteousness. You are happy 
if you are hungry and thirsting for righteousness. And if you're hungry and thirsting for righteousness, God, your Father in heaven, will fill you. He will feel that, He will hear that, He will see that, and He will provide for your filling if you're hungry for what is right. And if you're thirsty for what is right, for righteousness, He will see that you have that need met. And that's a promise that He's made to us, that Jesus made to us right here. Hunger and thirst. This means you have a strong need for righteousness. You have a craving for righteousness. You have an insistent desire for righteousness. Insistent means it's a, a desire that just never stops. It never quits. And isn't it true when, you know, this hunger and thirst, I mean, we had lunch, and many times when Cindy and I are sitting at the table, about halfway through lunch, what would you presume would be a question that I ask? What's for dinner? Yeah, Steve's like, what for dessert? Dessert's sitting over there. I already know that. But what are we having for dinner? When our son was young, he, that's one of the questions he would ask because he was hungry all the time. I, when I was reading this, I thought of our uh, most boys. I mean, you can't fill them up. I always thought he had a stomach that went down into his leg because, I mean, he just, he, we, he'd eat a big plate and all of a sudden he would say, what's for dinner? That's a hunger and a thirst. That's an insistent desire. It just, it's there and it never stops. And that's what we want to look at when we're looking at hungering and thirsting for righteousness and then checking ourselves to see if we have that in our hearts, in our souls, in our lives. Do you, do I, hunger and thirst for what is right? I hope so. But if not, then set about to create that desire within yourself that I can't ever get enough of the Word of God. I can't ever get enough of prayer. I can't ever get enough of service. I can't ever get enough of, of, of serving God in my life. And I just want more of that. I'm afraid, not afraid, I'm not worried, I'm concerned that those of us who don't have this hunger and thirst for righteousness would, would probably not be happy in heaven. We wouldn't be happy in heaven because in heaven it's all about God and declaring glory and honor to God and being full of God, eating, sleeping, breathing, God and service to God. So I want to look at uh, first a, some biblical examples and then practical examples, then the lesson will be ours today. First, let's look at the description or definition of what it means to hunger and thirst in terms of having a strong need. You need something. And you have a strong need for what is good and what is right. All right? Now, I want to look at uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 40 through 42. 
And then Luke chapter 8, verse 49 through 55. You'll recognize this reading as this man named J-A-I-R-U-S, Jairus. Now, Jairus had a 12-year-old daughter that was really terribly sick. Somehow or other, he had heard about Jesus and who Jesus claimed to be. And so he came to find Jesus. How do you think, how do you think he was when he was coming to find Jesus? Do you think he had a strong need? Do you think he was hungering and thirsting to find him? Those of you who uh, been in the, ch in the church since I've been here the four years, you've probably heard me talk about my granddaughter. She's about two, and she thought it would be a really funny thing to go hide from everybody. And she went upstairs, and, and Cindy had a desk. She worked out of her home some, and she had a, one of those desks that was a corner desk. You know, that was fit in the corner, had a desk over to the right and a desk to the left. And Farron went up and under that desk in the corner and hid. And so we were looking for two-year-old Farron. And she wouldn't say a word. Farron, Farron, where are you? Well, mom, dad, uncle, aunt, grandma, grandpa. Every moment that went by, we were more desperate. To say I had a strong need, to say I hungered and thirsted to find her would be an understatement. That's the kind of hunger and thirst we all should have for God. For righteousness. For goodness in the world. In our homes. In the church. In our own hearts and lives. To have, and it could be that you've experienced something along that line. That you couldn't get there quick enough. It could be that you couldn't do anything about it. But just you had to get there. And you had that feeling inside you of what it means to have that strong need. And when he found Jesus, he said, Jesus, my daughter, she's 12 years old, she's deathly sick. And Jesus said, I'll come and heal her. But then something happened on the way that we'll get to in a few minutes because that's another example of what it means to hunger and thirst. But this woman came and distracted Jesus for just a few minutes while Jairus and his people were there waiting on Jesus to come heal his daughter the servants from the house came and said to Jairus don't trouble the master anymore don't trouble the teacher anymore your daughter is dead give up and yet Jesus looked at Jairus and said, Don't worry. I got this. Have faith. Everything will be fine. And then they took off and 
when Jesus got there and said, she's, not, she's just asleep, the people who knew she had died laughed at him and ridiculed him. They said, really? Who do you think you are? We know what death is. And Jesus took the, her parents and just some of his disciples and raised her up from the dead. Jairus had a strong need for Jesus that couldn't be quenched. That's a description, a biblical description of what it means to have that. Secondly, we looked at the word craving. What it means to crave something. You know, you, a lot of people like coffee in the morning. You know, this is how I look before my coffee. This is how I look after my coffee, you know. Or I can't, don't bother me, I haven't had my coffee. And it's sort of like when you get up in the morning, you have this craving for something. And you, you know it when you have it. We're talking about having that craving for righteousness, for what is right, for what is good, and never being satisfied until we have it. I'm craving that. You know, I was, Cindy and I were craving a key lime pie. So we went to Kroger. I'm looking for a key lime pie. I want a key lime pie. Nine dollars for a key lime pie. It's about this big. So Cindy gathered up. She got her recipe off the phone. Said, well, we don't need to buy a pie. We'll just make a pie. And right over there at my house right now is my key lime pie. Cool whip on top. When you have a craving for something, you know it. And that's how we ought to feel about God. Not about a key lime pie, but a hundred times, a thousand times more than that. I was thinking of a biblical example from the Old Testament as Abraham and Sarah. What was the one thing that Abraham and Sarah craved? A child. Some of us in the church know what's that, what, what that's like. Today's Mother's Day, we have a few ladies who hunger and thirst for a child. And they've been told it won't happen. At least not from your womb. Now we find that there are other ways to be a parent. And if you so choose... You can take other paths. I know I have a, my brother just under me and my sister-in-law. They adopted two children. And they have my niece and my nephew. And they're both 14 now, but they adopted both of them when they were 10 months old and 8 months old. And they're from two different families. And my brother and my sister-in-law traveled to parts of Russia uh, three times to adopt those two 
my niece and my nephew. They're fabulous. So my brother and my sister-in-law are parents. And my niece and my nephew have a mom and dad. Now somewhere in the world they have a biological mom and dad. And Anthony has a biological mom and dad. But my brother and my sister-in-law are their mom and dad. And that's what their names are. And they've brought them up 14 years or 13 years or whatever from 10 months old and 8 months old. But Abraham and Sarah hungered and thirsted for a child. God promised a child to Abraham when he was 75. 75 years old. And Abraham believed God that God could accomplish and would accomplish that. Eleven years later, he was 86. And he still had not seen and experienced the, the God that promised him that, fulfilling that promise at 86 years old. At 86, Abraham and Sarah could not connive together to try to help God out with his promise. Have you ever tried to help God out? When you try to help God, you know what you do? Oh, me, do you make a mess of things? And so Abraham made a mess of things with his wife Sarah. But even then, even then, Romans 8:28 even though it had been written yet was still true. We know that all things work together for good. If we love God, if we're called according to His purpose, He'll work everything out for our good. And God came back to Abraham when he was 90 years old, no, 99 years old, and reestablished His promise. That's when He had all the male children to be circumcised. And He declared that to be a, uh, the ritual that was going to separate the Gentiles from the Jews or the Israelites. So that happened when he was 99 years old and he reestablished his promise. And even then, Abraham did not see the fulfillment of that promise till he was 100 years old. And Sarah, remember how old she was? 90. Before they realized God's gift, from 75 to 100, Abraham had to wait for the fulfillment of a promise 25 years. Do you think he hungered and thirsted for a son? Every morning, every noon, every evening, he thought about it. Even though God was going to fulfill it, he had to wait. Sometimes we have to wait too. Is waiting easy? Never. But it's a reality. We crave righteousness. Finally, another uh, biblical description. And this is back from Luke chapter 8, uh, 43 through 48. While when Jesus was on his way with Jairus to heal his 12-year-old daughter, this woman 
had been waiting for the opportunity to get close enough to Jesus to touch him. She had formulated a plan within herself. If she ever got the opportunity to be close enough to Jesus, if she could just touch the hem of her, his garment, she would be perfectly well and whole. She had suffered with this disease, blood disease, for 12 long years. The Bible said she had suffered much from doctors, physicians. She had spent everything she had and only grew worse. Twelve years. Do you, do you know what it means to hunger and thirst for healing? You know what it means to hunger and thirst to want something, desire something that can never be satisfied, an insistent desire to be healed. Some of us know that. Every day you deal with it. Oh, that Jesus could be here so that you could reach out and touch him. But she did. She made her way to Jesus and touched him. And you know what happened? She was perfectly whole. She was healed. Twelve years, an insistent hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now let's look at some just practical examples. Then the lesson will be ours. A strong need. I was thinking of an example of a, a brand new Christian. When a, when a new Christian comes up out of the waters of baptism... If you'll remember how you, when you were baptized into Christ, you, you were a new Christian, how did you feel? Don't you, do you feel like you could conquer the world? Didn't you feel like, you know, I mean, life was happier, life was brighter? I mean, knowing that your past is forever gone, that you can now grow in Christ Jesus, and you just, you just, you can't get enough of the church, you can't get enough of, of the Bible. You just not, I mean, you may not even know much about it, but just holding it. You know, just, just holding your Bible and touching it, feeling of it. One of the first things I do when I get a new Bible is smell it. You do that? I do. I can't stick my face in it and go, oh, there's nothing smells better than a new Bible. I, I, I think I got about 25. Just keep. Keep getting in that. But just, that's hungering thirst. Hungering and thirsting for God. Hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Hungering and thirsting for His will in your life. A new Christian has that. What happens to us? What happens to the newness of anything? Kind of wears off, doesn't it? And so every day we have to we have to renew ourselves. David talked about that in Psalm 51. He said, renew. Give me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a steadfast spirit. Now, and David recognized that the world takes a lot out of us. And we want God to put that back in us. And that's the reason we meet on the first day of the week. That's the reason we come back to meet on the 
uh, first day of the week on the afternoon. And that's the reason we meet for summer series. And that's the reason we have ladies' events and ladies' retreats and men's retreats and meetings and get-togethers and devotionals and men's night out and all sorts of things because it renews us when we're together in the name of Christ. Secondly, a craving. I was thinking of a newborn baby. Does a newborn baby have a craving? Man, you know it. And if you don't know it, you will know it in a minute. My dad tells me about my little brother. Uh, they would, when he was on the bottle, pretty, pretty big baby, my mother would go in and give him the bottle in his baby bed. And so, you know, my, my brother would be wailing, you know, because he had this craving for a milk. He's hungry, thirsty. And so my dad, he, he would say, you know, I, I still remember your brother. Wah! And then as soon as your mom put that bottle in his mouth, he was, wow. And then he said, we, we remember hearing the, the sound. They would wait. The sound would be quiet, and all of a sudden it would go. And then the bottle would hit the floor. And then we would hear, Wah! and my mom would have the second bottle. Ow! And then everything was fine. Babies are that way. Are we that way? I can't wait for Sunday. I can't wait to pray. I can't wait for my class. I can't wait for that ladies meeting. I can't wait to open my Bible again to read what God has for me. I can't wait to just be satisfied with what He has to give. Craving. And then thirdly, that insistent desire. And I was thinking of a new puppy. You ever had a new puppy? I mean a little puppy. You know, he's so cute. You get him and bring him home, and he's teething. What will a new puppy chew on? Anything and everything. And it doesn't stop until they get those teeth in. Then it eases up a little. What about for attention? Now we're talking about a new puppy. We're not talking about my Max out here. He'll look at me sometimes and say, yeah, I'm okay. But most of the time if I'm there, he wants to be around me. But I'm talking about a new puppy. Can you ever give a new puppy enough attention? If you've ever had one, you know. I mean, when you start playing with him, <laughs> when does he tire out? Uh, never. You tire out. He doesn't tire out. These are ideas that are in our minds and hearts that I want us to think about when it comes to what Jesus is asking us to be. Blessed are the poor in spirit. There's the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. They'll, they'll be comforted. Happy, blessed, fortunate, well-off are the meek. 
for the world is theirs. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You'll be filled. God's going to meet all our needs, yours and mine. How hungry are you? There's not, there's not as many, it seems, that there used to be who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. That's unfortunate. It's got to be disappointing to God when those who are called by His name, Christian, who receive the sacrifice of His own Son, don't seem to love Him much anymore. Well, we want a lot from Him. Just the stuff, worldly stuff. But He's looking and desiring for us to have a hunger and thirst for something more eternal. For living right, being right with Him, and being righteous. Walking before Him with honor. If you need to make a change, you can do that this afternoon. And you can do that now as we stand together, as we sing.